Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Oh my Jesus, I surrender to you. Take care of everything. My wife and I just came back from a 5,000-mile trip. We had a few breakdowns, and we said that prayer 10 times in a row every morning. And it must have worked because the angel showed up every time we broke down <laughs> in our old Mini Winnie pulling a little Mazda behind it. <clears throat> nice, nice. Yeah. So in Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. You're listening to the Cajun Catholics radio show. I'm your host, Todd Citron. I'm very excited today to have Dr. Brent Prather. He is a pediatric allergist here in Lafayette, formerly in Opelousas, I believe. Correct. Welcome to the show, Doc. Thank you. Okay, heard a lot of great things about you. Uh, he's a, a warrior for Christ and a, a great Catholic man, and, and uh, just happy to have him on the show. But tell us a little bit about yourself. So, Todd, I, I'll just say I'm the luckiest man in the world for several reasons. The first being that I was adopted in 1952 by the most wonderful parents who raised me in Opelousas. My dad was a general pediatrician. He practiced 45 years in Opelousas, 1949 to 1995. And he was my inspiration as far as career. My mother was a wonderful, loving, supportive mother and always encouraged me to love everyone and to never judge everyone. So I think I got good mentorship and guidance from both of my parents. And God has just sent angels into my life in, in the form of teachers, friends, patients, and other people that pop up spontaneously every time I've ever needed, which is many times in my 68 years. I truly believe in angels, and I'll tell you a funny angel story that I think is real that occurred to me uh, right after I interviewed at Duke Medical School in 1972. So anyway, I... I was fortunate enough to follow in my dad's footsteps and the reason I became an allergist after finishing in pediatrics is I had polio in 1954 when I was two years old and physically I kind of knew it was going to be tough to be on my feet for a long career like my dad so allergy is a nice specialty you could practice sitting down so (laughs) when my dad retired we actually shared his last 15 years of practice I was able to go full-time allergy and it's been great the last 35 years 25 years so, you know, I'm a big sports fan, basketball fan. I guess Duke probably had a good basketball team back when you were there, I'm sure. I'm sure you were at Duke, right? I interviewed there for medical school. I did I not see. end up going there. I ended up going to Tulane Medical oh, School. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. My dad was a Tulane guy. Very nice. Okay, so tell me, I know I read a little bit about you, went along with your father, and I know a lot of uh, his practice incorporated prayer, and, you know, we need to hear that in the business world. Tell us a little bit about that. So my dad was class of 1945. He graduated right at the end of World War II. Everyone was so patriotic. He served two years in the Army, and then he started practice. And growing up in the 50s and 60s, I was so fortunate being an only son. I uh, loved my dad, and I loved being with him. And every night he would get calls while we ate supper, and he would take off like a bat out of hell in his car and make house calls, sometimes one or two, sometimes five or ten. It just depended on the time of year. But anyway, I rode with him on those house calls as a young child. He always got me an ice cream cone, I think, to reward me for my company. We would chew gum and uh, listen to KSLO radio, Johnny Wright, and show show up back at home. It would be late. I'd fall right to sleep. But I always had good dreams because I got to see my dad 
impact people with his serving heart. He really had a Christ-like heart. He never worried about whether his patients could pay him. And I noticed that when I was old enough to understand it. And I asked him one day, and he said, well, you know, they're farmers, and they had a rough year. He says, it's okay. My job is to take care of their sick children, not to worry Mm. about whether they can pay me. And that, to me, is a philosophy I wish everyone in medicine had. Wow. I've tried to follow it. I'm not as pure as my dad, but I have always accepted every insurance and every medical card and Medicare. And if somebody comes in and I know they're hard up, I'm certainly going to treat them and not worry about whether they can pay. Doctor, did you did you know your grandfather? I'm curious how your dad had this deep faith. You know, is that passed down from generations? So my grandpa was also a doctor, and my dad made house calls with him uh, in St. Petersburg, Florida. Wow. I don't think he was as outwardly religious, but he was uh, apparently a beloved doctor and practiced into his late 80s, which is amazing. He wow. lived almost to 90, and I'm sure he had a big inspiration on my dad. My dad was sort of a what I'd call a silent preacher. He never really spoke a lot about his faith. He just lived it. And my mother was the one that really talked about it. And um, I'm actually a Catholic convert. That's a, another kind of long story, maybe for another interview. Okay. Yeah, my dad grew up Presbyterian. My mother grew up Catholic. So they had to somehow bridge that. But by the end, when my father died, he was Catholic. And I was glad we, as a family, we were all Catholic. We have so much in common. My father was also a World War II veteran and also a convert to the Catholic faith and went to Tulane and uh, played basketball there in the early 40s and enlisted. And, and uh, my dad was in the Navy when they bombed Pearl Harbor. He was on, um, I tell this story a little bit, he was on uh, on Canal Street in New Orleans and it came over the radio and he and his friends sprinted to the enlistment office as wow. fast as they could run. And, Isn't that something? Yeah. It was so patriotic. Beautiful. So I know you've, you've got a lot of involvement in Our Lady of the Oaks at Grand Coteau and my, my father-in-law, John Shakespeare, uh, he does a lot of that as well. You right. Know, but tell me a little bit about that. and, and, and Well, John does a great job and I, I attended one of his retreats about four and a half years ago, and it inspired me so much. We've become actually very good friends ever since then. He is an inspiration to me. The retreat house there in Grand Coteau is a holy place, and when 40 or so men are praying together over a whole weekend, Thursday night till Sunday noon, magic happens. The Holy Spirit just hits everyone with a ping in their in their heart, and they, they're transformed. And I, my father-in-law got me started doing th- that type of retreat about 35 years ago, and it has just been a labor of love. Every year, my wife would say, you don't need to go. Why do you want to go spend all that time? I'd say, darling, it's like a three-day walk with Jesus in heaven. I, you know, I really want to go. I enjoy it. And when I got the opportunity to train to actually be one of the retreat givers, it was a great opportunity. And with my failing health with my leg post-polio, I thought, if I can't practice, this will be something I can at least pour my time and energy into, try to make a difference in the world. So tell me at what point in your life, you know, I, I know you've had some things happen in, in your life that have brought you to this strong faith that you have. A lot of our guests talk about a conversion point in their life. Was there something like that for you? Or was it a lot of little things? It was more little things. In high school, when I converted to Catholicism, I had uh, not slept for several nights, and I was kind of close to a nervous breakdown. I was crying one day, and my mother got a priest in Opelousas to come talk to me. And when my dad got home from work that night, he said, what's what's bothering you? Why are you sad? And I said, well, Dad, I just wish we could go to church as a family. It just bothers me. I think it was 1968. And he said, well, you and I will become Catholic tomorrow. Wow. <laughs> and, and we did. We started instruction. And that Easter, I went through confirmation. And I fell in love with a 
a good Irish Catholic uh, wife 46 years ago uh, that we've been married. And so it was lucky that I was Catholic. It made the marriage a lot smoother. <laughs> Is she from Lafayette? She's from New Orleans. From New Orleans, yeah. okay, yeah. And her dad was a big retreating and got me going on those Jesuit retreats. Yeah, I, I go to Manresa, and I'm embarrassed to say right here from Lafayette, I haven't been to Our Lady of the Oaks, and it's it's just my father-in-law's been giving me a real hard time about <laughs> that, and I, I'm going to get there. Yeah, I started with him at Manresa, and yeah. then when I realized the Oaks was the exact same thing, just more more uh, small, I think, and, and I like it better, actually. Sure. Uh, it's, it's a little less crowded. Manresa's so busy and so huge. So give us a little sneak peek into what your prayer life looks like, and I'll, I'll just throw some some seeds out there. You know, I talk about in my prayer life the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and maybe share with us, is there one of the Trinity that you're closer to and one maybe you're further further from in your prayer life? I think I'm closer to Jesus. always felt an affinity with Jesus and with Mary, certainly with God the Father and the Holy Spirit too. But my prayer life really increased after my dad, my mentor, my hero, my partner, close friend, best friend. When he died in 2002, I I couldn't wake up. I I couldn't sleep past about 5.30 in the morning. And I would get up, and and, uh, this was in 2002. So I was still a little bit ambitious, wanting to turn the world on fire more for myself and my own success. And I'd read motivation books, and I'd journal a little bit. But then suddenly, that did not give me any fulfillment. And I realized what I really want to do is, is um, fill that gap that I have from my dad's love and support with spirituality. So I started reading spiritual, the, 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 you know, the daily mass readings, and really praying on it and journaling. And that's the best change in my life I ever did. I had been writing articles and journaling for a long time up to then, but it was more personal, like what can I do to help my career, myself. Once I flipped after my dad's death, it was much more spiritual. And so I'm still getting up at 5.30 to 6 every morning, and it gives me a good hour approximately to to do spiritual journaling and reading and studying uh, the scriptures. Awesome. And and I, I love it. It's, it, it. It makes my day. When I don't have that hour, which is rare that I don't have it, I feel like the day is you know, missing something. And of course, going to mass sometimes, morning mass a few days a week is another cherry, you know, uh, well, on top course. of the ice cream. I love to do that and receive, receive communion. You're listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. Today's guest is Dr. Brent Prather. He is a pediatric allergist here in Lafayette. And um, just a heartwarming story about he and his dad and uh, the love between the two of them. And I guess it's just sort of like, I, I think of Pope John the Paul II, you know, his book on the love between the Trinity. And, and I don't know, I'm just, I'm just feeling that. I, I can see it all over you. You know, he's got a, a deep faith in the Holy Spirit all over him. Tell him about the retreat part. I know some of the good Cajun Catholics out there have maybe never been on retreat and uh, some that have, but what's it like to actually host a retreat, I guess, or put it on? It is is such a heartwarming experience to just spend that weekend sharing meals with the priests and uh, doing all the spiritual guidance, talking to the men, you, you just feel the Holy Spirit so active. And you finish the, the weekend on a high. It's, it's very, very rewarding. And what a blessing. Feels Tell so. us a behind-the-scenes look. I know I see you have some of your papers that you use uh, when, you, when you go on retreat, but what, what's that look like? So you give 10 talks as a retreat giver, and there's things like mass every day, confession opportunities, spiritual advice, counseling opportunities, 
Station of the Cross, Rosary, all that kind of stuff. So it's a full packed weekend, but actually each person makes it what they want to make it. They can take free time if they want, as you know, you go to Manresa and um, it works. It's something that a St. Ignatius Loyola came up with almost 500 years ago and it's still working pretty strong. Working real good, yeah. yeah. I had made Curcio and um, went to a retreat right after that. And I, you know, they're so different. And uh, it was like Curcio was 150 miles an hour and retreat was like five miles an hour. Right, <laughs> it's a slower. Yeah, and I'm waking up like at the crack huh. of dawn and I'm ready to go to adoration and you know, I'm all over the place. And then I got a guy in the room next to me like, I don't think he ever left his room. I think the guy <laughs> just slept and ate the whole weekend, you know. And I, <laughs> So it's kind of hard to get your arms around it, but, but such a beautiful. And with COVID, I guess it's been down for a while, huh? I mean, uh, has... it's, it's still occurring. Okay. Uh, yeah, they are actually, when they have more than um, 30 some odd people, 35 people, they move to the little church down the road toward the Thinstead Center. Mm-hmm. And that way they could do social distancing. Mm-hmm. So there's still weekends retreats, men's and women's, just about every weekend. Very nice. So tell me a little, just a little bit about how, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit touched you deeply. I know you've got some stories that, to share with us that, uh, that, that where you've had just these close encounters with Christ. So let me tell you the angel story that I yeah. was hinting at. <clears throat> so 1972, I had a job as the assistant aquatic director at a wonderful camp up in Ware, Massachusetts, near Springfield. So I'm driving up the East Coast, and there's a hurricane coming up the East Coast, and I had an Impala with a nice engine. So being a young 19, 20-year-old, I wasn't too smart. I was trying to beat the hurricane and stay ahead of it. I had my interview at Duke. It was a bit it was a bit lonely, to be honest with you. The lady that gave me the tour said, you, you seem like a nice boy. You don't want to come here. They, they, <laughs> don't, they don't have a life. They don't even go home for Christmas. So I left there with funny feelings, sort of mixed feelings, and uh, I'm driving really fast, probably 75, 80 miles an hour, which I'm ashamed to admit, but it's the truth. And the, the storm did catch up with me, the after effect of the hurricane, and it spun me out. My car spun three times around and went off into the soft mud on the side of the road. And I guess it was an interstate, but it was in the middle of nowhere, some, somewhere above Durham. And my heart's beating a mile a minute, and I start realizing I'm still alive, and the cars are still zipping by me. And um, I'm praying and thinking, okay, uh, I'm, I'm okay. Thank God I didn't. nobody hit me as I was spinning. So I realized I can't get the car back out of the mud to get it back on the road. And I'm supposed to stay at Cousins that live in Washington, D.C. that night. So I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe try to walk to the next town. This is way before, you know, iPhones. All of a sudden, I put my head down, and I might maybe say one of the most sincere prayers of my life. And uh, please, Lord, just guide me and tell me what I need to do. And as I raised my head, an old jalopy kind of station wagon almost looked like the Beverly Hillbillies thing, pulls up right behind me. And this man with jeans with one, you know, just one thing over his shoulder and two tall boys come out of the back of that thing. And he says, you look like you need some help. (laughs) And I thought, thank you so much for stopping. Uh, I really do. If I could just get my car a few inches to the right, I could get some traction. And his boys just grabbed the back of the my Impala and literally lifted it up and moved it to the right. And so I was like, oh my goodness, I've got traction. I can actually get back on the highway and make my plans. So I immediately went in the console to grab a $10 bill to thank the man. And, but as quick as I got back out of the car, they were gone. Wow. And to this day, I think they might've been angels. They just looked so atypical 
and the the way they stopped right at the end of my prayer and they disappeared so fast so i just i really do believe in angels and that's just one of many experiences i've had that seem supernatural when wonderful angelic type experiences happen so that deepens my faith obviously every time it happens I'm sure you know that's uh like you said a ping uh and so tell me you, you know being a doctor and seeing a lot of uh the residents of acadiana i guess all the time you're all around the public you know what makes our area so special the show obviously is called cajun catholics but i always like to say you don't have to be cajun or catholic to be on the show just got to love the Lord, you know, but I, I'm sure you see a lot of people with a deep faith here. What what makes our area so unique? Well, the depth of Catholic fervor that we have in South Louisiana is special. We truly live in the Holy Land. People really care about their Catholic faith, and they practice it, and um, they live it, and there's a warmth and a depth of commitment to their faith that I don't think you see too many other places in the United States and around the world. We are so blessed, uh, you know, if, and if you travel around the country, go to Catholic churches in other states and other countries, you're going to feel the difference. Yeah, so I thank God every day that we live. We, we may not come up on top statistics for a lot of things, mm-hmm. but for as far as Catholic faith and, and living, I think we're number one. Yeah, I, I interviewed a gentleman from Michigan, and he said there, there are way more Catholics in his town than in Lafayette, you know, and that's a pretty strong statement. But he said that, like you just said, you know, it's broad up there. But the depth of the Catholic faith mm-hmm. here in Lafayette is what impressed him. And it, and I guess the way that I would define that is we, we want more, you know. Um, I, I see it with my kids. I have three daughters. And, you know, uh, recently someone was saying, you know, you, your daughters just desire more in their faith life. And I, and, and we're, we're constantly reaching deeper into, into that relationship with christ and if you go to any of the catholic mass in lafayette you, i think you see that you know right especially with the youth i mean i think mm-hmm. kids today they get the bad rap you know a lot of people oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket but i don't see that I, I i think our youth especially our catholic youth if you go by ul it's fantastic yeah i agree yeah. i agree better so people m- than we were so many wonderful catholic schools all over south louisiana wonderful catholic churches on every corner wonderful priests you know, we have so much to be thankful for can I tell you one more yeah, um, yeah, sure. experience that I had? This is one I share in my retreat. You know, we talk about a lot of things, including sin and forgiveness. And uh, one of the greatest sins, I think, is pride <clears throat> that gets us into trouble. And uh, I had just um, finished my first year of college, and uh, I'd taken some extra hours. My grades were good, and I was feeling like a big shot. You know, oh, I'm going to for sure get into medical school. You know, I've got this great grade point, and I'm already a junior after one year. Things are going great, <clears throat> and I had a job at a camp in Kentucky. The only thing I can really do good is swim, so I always got jobs at camps working in aquatics. Mm-hmm. And I got to the camp and uh, just really didn't find a, a warmth or a connection with the other counselors. Maybe part of it was my own immaturity, but nevertheless, I was pretty miserable. And uh, I, was, I wanted a, a hug, I wanted a kiss, I wanted a, you know, some attention, a date with a girl. And I, I was in a Christian group uh, up at Northwestern State University, and the uh, sort of big sister in our group, her cousin had come through Natchitoches, I'd met her, and they lived in Louisville, which was about an hour drive from where this camp was, Stamping Ground, Kentucky. So their family had invited me to come, you know, spend my day off with them or come meet them for supper, and so I did, and I had a date with the, the younger of two sisters. And we went to see a movie, and it was kind of romantic, and I brought her home, <clears throat> and... Uh, all I wanted was a hug and a kiss. And she turned around and she said, 
I can't, I can't hug you. And, I can't kiss you. I have a boyfriend. And I thought, oh man, I was just so disappointed. <laughs> so I got back in the camp truck, which I had borrowed, and I had just enough money to get maybe uh, a little bit of gas in case I ran out. Because you know, you know, those days we were living a few dollars gas at a time. That's right. And if you knew know anything about Louisville, they have these clover leaf. Uh, interstates kind of like houston and this is 1971 anyway i got lost getting back on the road to camp so i got off and i went to a filling station and i asked for directions okay i got back in my truck got back on it got lost a second time this happened three times by the third time it's getting late it's about 11 o'clock at night kind of in a part of town that looks a little sketchy and scary and i can't get back on the road so at that point, I really prayed, <laughs> Lord, I don't know why I can't find the way back to the road to get to camp, and I don't know why I've been so miserable. And all of a sudden, I got a ping in my head, and it was like God just slapped me and said, you fool, don't you realize you, you've gotten caught up with your pride? You know, you think you're a big shot. You're just a little peon. <laughs> just be, realize who you are and where you are in life. And by the way, this is the way on the road. You just turn here, and it'll get you right back Come on. Come on. I... I had a euphoria. I was singing, happy as could be. I knew life was going to be okay. And, of course, the rest of summer was fine because I got over my pride program problem. And that was a sin that I needed to overcome and and grow through, you might say. Um, So I think all of us in 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 America, we have so many blessings, we easily get to thinking it's all about us. And we let the pride get the best of us. So it's just a reminder we have to constantly, you know, humble ourselves and control pride uh, if we really want to be the instruments of, of God's love. I, I hear some gospel in there. You know, when you tell that story, I hear, you know, uh, in order for him to increase, we must decrease. Exactly. You know, that's that's what I'm hearing. And now. if you get off the road, just get back on the road. It's never too late <laughs> to get back on the road. Just praying God will get you back on the road. That's nice. Uh, so you didn't go to Catholic school? I actually did go to Catholic high school, which had a lot to do with me wanting to become Catholic. I saw I something. I was Episcopalian. Okay. And I saw something in the Catholic friends that I'd made in those four years that was inspiring me. Here in Opelousas? Uh In Opelousas, yeah. Uh, OC? Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Some good Cajun Catholics over there. So, uh, Doc, I noticed that – tell us about your website. I went to – I checked you out online, and um, it's Ask Dr. Brent. Correct. And uh, and what I found on there was something that you wouldn't normally find, I guess, with a doctor. I don't I don't look at a lot of doctor websites, but just a lot about um, how, how faith and prayer – can heal you. I, I think you should talk about that a little bit, how that incorporates in your practice. Well, you know, I learned from my dad, from watching him, that uh, God's healing love is such a big part of healing, and, and getting your spirit right is a big part of healing. So I don't preach to my patients unless they ask me to, mm-hmm. but I have crosses and, you know, spiritual pictures everywhere in my office. And I think the patients know that, you know, that, that uh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Catholic. And so when they come in and, and they're really, you know, emotionally upset as well as physically, physiologically upset, um, you know, I'll, I'll say, uh, I want to pray for you and, and can I help you in any way with that? And, and a lot of times they, they just want a hug. They want to know that you care about what they're going through emotionally. Sometimes you end up giving them spiritual counseling. And I'm glad the Jesuits have, you know, four years of training in that spiritual counseling. I uh, used to just do it off the seat of my pants, but now I've got actually a little, bit, a little bit more training yet to try to do it in a better way. 
No, you, but, mm-hmm. I, I was going to ask, you know, dealing with children and kids, um, you know, I watched this show on Netflix the other night about the social, social, uh, social media. I don't know if you've seen that and just kind of how Facebook and Google and all these things are really in, into our Cheerios. They're, they're into our children and us and they watch everything they do and they're feeding a lot of things that control their there, there, do, you, do you run into some of that in your practice? Where oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the the amount of addiction to IT stuff uh, it just scares me. So many young people are, are growing up knowing how to text, how to email, how to escape every day for hours and hours and hours into IT stuff, but but not knowing how to sit and have a conversation and and you know look somebody in the eye and and um, be comfortable in different people's presence. Um, they're not learning some of those lessons that we automatically learn just because of the way we had to grow up in the 50s and 60s and 70s. Yeah, it does scare me. And I, I encourage parents to control that. And in a book I wrote on parenting, I uh, specifically talk about, you know, family rituals that you do, particularly meals together where you, you turn off everything so nobody can bother you. And you just, just talk. Just ask your kids good open-ended questions and let them share. Uh, Quality time is the glue that builds, you know, long-term connection with children. I, I find that parents that want to spend all their time on themselves and not commit the necessary time with their children are unfortunately going to be lonely as they get old because those kids are not going to have that that glue effect where they really miss coming back and being with mom and dad because they, they have so many, you know, lifelong memories that they shared rituals yeah i hear like uh they i don't i'm not gonna say this right but like unplanned time with your children where you're like on vacation playing cards or hanging out watching tv and those are the special times you know right and uh it's true i think there's a dark side to the internet of course you know we hear that all the time but man after watching that movie i'm you know 100 percent convinced Mm -hmm. that 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 it's just very dark side yeah dark side to that every everything i guess in in this crazy world which is changing so fast has a positive and a negative and we just have to try to find that balance that control and guide our kids the best we can and ourselves absolutely so doc a couple of minutes left on the show and um you know, what would be your message out there? Um, how many kids did, did you do? We have three. Three kids, yeah, yeah and they're grow- older now? Uh, yeah, uh, 44, 42, and 39, I believe. Okay, all right. And and grandkids? Uh, seven grandkids. Well, that's the best, huh? Yeah. I got one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they steal your heart. Yeah, so uh, just some, you know, parting words about uh, about your practice and, 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 again, about your faith. Well, um, so blessed to still be practicing i've had to cut back because of my leg with polio uh i'm just working mornings now in my lafayette office um my old opelousas patients are blessed to have my nurse practitioner still running that practice so they get good allergy care i'm so thankful for that um my wife patty who stole my heart 47 years ago and we married i asked her to marry me after two weeks of dating her <laughs> can you imagine wow i knew and she said she knew the night she met me i love um, that so we uh we share a strong Catholic faith. We love to pray together. We love to go to Mass together. Um, and I'm the luckiest man in the world for many reasons, and that's one of them, to have a, a wife that still loves me and nurtures me every single day. Uh, I have three of the most wonderful children, Kelly, Ashley, and Scott. In fact, Scott 
is the um, manager of ESPN Radio, y'all's oh, competitor. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I'm so proud of him. He's here in Lafayette. So we get to spoil his three children nice. the most. Uh, the daughters are in Austin and in Los Angeles, but uh, they are all doing well. And Good. thank God for them. Well, you've, it's just been a true blessing to have you in our presence today. And you're just such a leader for the Catholic faith and the Cajun Catholics. And uh, thank you for coming on the show today. Hope you'll come back soon I'll, and uh, bring back a good guest. I would love to. And thank you for okay. the opportunity. Keep well, up the bless. good work, Todd. Thank you so much. Uh, You've been listening to Cajun Catholics with Dr. Brent Prather today. As always, we uh, encourage you to engage the Catholic in you. Until next time, God bless.